Welcome to the Invest Well Show. I'm your host, Michael Wall. We got a great series that we're lining up for you. It's actually a two-part series. The first part is about debt, good debt versus bad debt. There's a lot of conversation out there about debt. Is it good? Is it bad? We got an expert joining us, uh, part one. Part two coming up, we're going to talk about different mortgage structures and different ways and types of loans that you can get. So you're not going to want to miss this great series, all starting now on the Invest Well Show. All right, so here we are. We're joined with Ryan Brown, stud and uh, extraordinaire. <laughs> he is the divisional VP for Cross Country Mortgage. Great guy. He's got a wonderful team. Uh, you guys service hundreds and hundreds of people every year. And uh, so we want to start out with this segment talking about the idea of good debt and versus, versus bad debt. First off, Ryan, thanks for taking a few moments and joining us. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Yeah. And listen, guys, as we kind of unpack this, I want to I wanted to really hit this head on. You know, with the InvestWell show, a lot of times our conversations or my conversation is about things around the investment structure, uh, platform and world, really like, uh, you know, uh, understanding your risk and protecting your portfolio and, and good debt versus bad debt is kind of a new or different conversation. But I wanted to have it because I believe there's a lot of you out there that are listening to this that have heard for years and years and years from many sources that de all debt is bad. Don't have any debt. It's all bad. And I would disagree with that. I would agree that a lot of debt is bad and debt needs to be looked at very intensely to make sure that you're not, quote unquote, hanging yourself. Right. But there is a difference between good debt and bad debt. And most companies, most successful stories often did not reach the level of success they have with some element of debt. It's the idea of using other people's money and maximizing it in ways to your benefit. So we want to kind of hit this head on. And so let's talk about this for a minute, Ryan, because you guys are looking at this every day as families are coming in. Primarily, they're looking to buy homes. They're looking to, you know, kind of maybe purchase one of their biggest purchases they've ever experienced in their lifetime to, to, to this date. So, so what is your lens and what is your thought when it comes to good debt versus bad debt? Well, I think good debt is, you know, debt that's on an appreciating asset, an asset that goes up in value. Bad debt is on a depreciate, depreciating asset like a car. So we're mortgage lenders and that's what we do is we lend on appreciating assets, which is real estate. And to your point, without debt, without good debt, a lot of people wouldn't even be able to achieve the dream of home ownership and create an equity position for themselves. Yeah. And so when you take a look at that, so you're in a place where you say, okay, somebody comes in and they say, okay, I, you know, I, I'm, I feel like I'm upside down. I feel like I'm financially upside down and I've gone through some of these courses and just completely get out of debt and all this kind of stuff. And by the way, a little side note here. Okay. I'm not saying that there's disadvantage to some of that training and teaching. You've heard a lot of it out there, cut up your credit cards and pay off all your debt and all that kind of stuff. There's nothing wrong with being fiscally responsible. Uh, there's nothing wrong with understanding what is good and bad. And remember what Ryan just said here. And Ryan, you talked about the idea of bad debt being a depreciable asset. So you go buy a vehicle, <laughs> unless it's right now, right? You put a couple thousand miles on it, you might still be able to sell it for the same price. Here we are in 2022 because supply and demand and the cost of goods and services are way up. But in general markets... An automotive vehicle is a depreciating asset, right? Going out and, and, and getting into debt to buy a cell phone or getting into debt to buy an iPad or getting into debt to buy your couch 
is not a good idea, right? These things are not going to go up in value unless you're buying an antique Ferrari uh, that's that's probably going to grow in value over time. But typically when people are buying automobiles, they're not growing. So when people come to you, you know, they're asking this question and you've seen hundreds of people over the years. How do you kind of help realign their minds in saying, OK, wait, let, let's let's think about this a little bit differently when we look at debt, good and bad? Absolutely. So there's a there's a couple different ways to look at it. So if if somebody if somebody does not own a home mm-hmm. and they're coming and they maybe they want to purchase a home, but we look at the entire financial picture and they have a lot of debt, maybe they don't qualify, maybe they do qualify. We take a look at the entire picture to see, okay, what kind of debts do you have and how can we realign or restructure that debt? We just had a client the other day who was doing, you know, the you know, a lot of people want to do 20% down on a property. That's what they, their parents have told them. That's what they thought they had to do. But sometimes what we can do is do less down and use that additional down payment if they have it to pay off or restructure the other debt. So let's talk about that a little bit, restructuring other debt. And this is where, um, you know, if you do have debt. So if you're listening to this show right now and you're in a place where you're like, okay, I, I, I have a mortgage. Yeah. Uh, I have a car loan. Yes. Which, by the way, if you are a business owner, this is kind of for another side topic, but if you're a business owner, one of the things that you have to understand is having debt sometimes can be of value potentially because you can deduct certain things. So as an example, if you have a vehicle, you know, and you lease your car, you can deduct all of that on your taxes in, in, in the in the given year. You can deduct your taxes and your insurance or whatever. Whereas if you buy that vehicle, you get you you get to depreciate some of it over time. So, you know, looking at how that works actually makes a lot of sense. But let's let's go back to that example, Ryan, because I think it's important to think through, you know, somebody coming in and they're saying, Okay, you know, I want to buy a home and I have some credit card debt and I have some of these other things. You talked about restructuring, and I don't think people think about restructuring their debt often. They just they just say, I got a credit card. Uh, with Discover, and I got a credit card with MasterCard, and I got a credit card with whatever, and I got this debt, and I'm paying 15, 20, 25% interest every year, which is crazy. So, again, another side note here if you are undisciplined, what we're not suggesting here, what Ryan and I are not suggesting is that you go out and get yourself into a bunch of debt on the credit card side or whatever, and then go keep remortgaging it or restructuring it to some capacity so you can maximize it to your benefit. You need to get control of your life. You need to make sure that you're not spending above and beyond your means. If you're making $100,000 a year, don't spend $150. If you're making $50, don't spend $70. Right? Make sure you're living beneath your means and you're paying off your debts as much as possible. But while you're going down that road of paying debt off and, and getting fiscally responsible, I think restructuring makes a lot of sense. So let's jump in specifically and talk about that, Ryan. So somebody comes in. Let's just create a scenario. Maybe somebody comes in and it's it's a husband and wife uh, and they're making $100,000 or $120,000 a year collectively. They're both making $60,000 a year. They're coming in. They connect with you. They say, hey, we want to buy a house. Uh, they found a house for, I don't know, $600,000 or $700,000, whatever the number is. They also have two credit cards and each credit card, one credit card has $10,000. The other credit card has $15,000. And then they have a car loan for $40,000. So now they're coming into you and they want to buy a home and they've been in a situation. They do have some savings. They can put some money down. Let's talk about what that restructuring looks like. Yeah. So one of the options would be instead of doing 20% down, maybe we do 15% down and we use a tool called lender paid mortgage insurance. 
Because anytime you don't put 20% down in your loan, you're required to take out an insurance policy, or the lender is, that insures the lender for default. It's called mortgage insurance, PMI, you've heard of it. But when you do 15% down and you have a good credit score, the cost of the mortgage insurance is very small. And what we can do is we could prepay it up front. So you just have a little bit larger closing cost, usually $1,500. But what we could do is we could mortgage more, utilize that additional 5% to cover your debt. So if you look at, if you run the P&L, you're going to see their overall monthly payments dropping because they're paying off the debt and restructuring it. And they're going into tax advantage debt at a low interest rate fixed for 30 years. So you covered a lot of things here. Let's start first with the PMI, which is the the mortgage insurance, right? So a lot of times lenders are in a place you're saying where often a traditional bank or whatever it may be is is typically going to say, we want to see 20% down. Is that, is that what I'm hearing you say? Mm-hmm. Oftentimes, right? Yep. Okay. So, so- what you're saying is, is maybe if they, they have decent credit, what is decent credit in your opinion? A credit oh, score of what? Like over 700. Okay, so if you got a credit score of over 700, you got pretty good credit, maybe it makes sense to um, say, let's get 15% down. So if you're buying a $700,000 house, 10% is $70,000, uh, 15% would be 105, right? So now they're putting $105,000 down. They have that saved from another house they sold, whatever. And they're in a place where the other 5%, they use that to do what? To pay off their debt. Pay off maybe a credit card or two. So let's talk about the advantage of that, because you talked also about the idea of tax-advantaged interest. Let's unpack that a little bit. So the benefit of mortgage interest on your home versus having interest on a credit card. What's, What's really the difference for folks out there listening? So you can itemize it. So you can write it off on your taxes. What does that mean? Somebody says, I hear, write it off. What does that simply mean to somebody? Yeah, so what you can do is you can, you know, at the end of the year, you're going to get a form that'll show how much interest you paid on the mortgage. And that form you'll give to your CPA and you can itemize that to reduce your taxes. Okay, so if somebody's in a place where they've paid, um, just to make sure there's clarity here, let's say you're in a place, you have a mortgage, right? And your mortgage at the end of the year, the interest that you've paid on the loan. So a $700,000 loan, um, just as an example, 30 year fixed, the payment's going to be roughly what? Maybe three grand, 3,500. Okay. So let's, let's just use an even number. This may be wrong. By the way, this is all hypothetical, but let's just say it's $3,000. Depends on what the interest rate is and a lot of other factors. But let's say it's three grand. Well, out of that three grand, how much of that would you say is interest? Like if you're in a 30-year fix, 30 probably, year fix. The, probably the majority of it. So <laughs> let's just say like maybe $2,300, $2,400. Okay. And if they're in a fixed, a 15-year fix, it's going to be? The opposite. Okay. So so much less is going to be interest. But just as an example, that interest uh, by the bank is oftentimes earned up front on your 30-year loan. You need to know that, right? So that way, the more money you put down on your principal, obviously, the more beneficial off you are long-term. But that interest that you're paying you can deduct on your taxes. So if you ended up paying $20,000 in that year in in interest, you would you would be able to pull that right off of your tax return. So if your income was $120,000, technically you would only have to pay taxes on, you know, 97,000 or whatever it is because your your income's being reduced by the interest. Is right. that correct? Yep. Now, if you have a credit card, again, I just want to clarify this for everybody. If you have a credit card, Ryan, and they're in a place where they're paying you know, they got fifteen, twenty thousand dollars of debt and they're paying, you know, three, four thousand dollars a year in interest. Is that interest deductible? Nope. It's not, right? Yep. And so because of that, that's why you're talking about the restructuring. Exactly. Yep. Okay. So the idea is take the interest from the credit card and pay it off with the mortgage. 
and that allows the ability for that interest to now be deductible and you get to reduce your taxes instead of paying interest that you can't. So think about it like this, guys. If you're in a place where you have $120,000 a year income and you have $4,000 of interest on your credit card, you have to pay that interest tax, pay that interest, and you don't get any tax benefit from it. Whereas if you had that same $4,000 that you were paying technically in interest uh, as a mortgage, you could deduct that from your income. It's a big deal. Yeah. So just, I mean, if you think about it, if you're at that that tax bracket, I mean, using just rough numbers, you'd have to make maybe $6,500 to net three grand just to pay the interest on the credit cards. Yeah. Yeah, so you got to make more money to pay the interest on the credit cards off. What are what are what, what's maybe one other thing just with some time left here, uh, Ryan? That you see as people come in, that's kind of a big like no no. They're doing, and you're like, it, you know, everybody's situation is a little bit different. But you're saying, man, this is something we need to be intentional about to pay attention and really look at to make sure that we're structuring that debt stack correctly. Is there anything else out there that you see that you're like this is a common thing, Mike? We see. Well, I would say one thing that we we've seen be a big advantage to people is by doing a restructuring of their mortgage. If they have a current mortgage, since values have gone up so much, like in Palm Beach County, we're over 20% nationwide, 14%. So the value of the home when you purchase it has gone up so much, there's a lot more equity there. Yeah. Obviously the equity is idle. You're not earning interest on it. It's just, it's just there. Yeah. So what you can do is you can restructure your mortgage and pay off debt. We just had a client uh, that we closed last week. His home went up two hundred thousand dollars from what he bought. He bought it for four hundred, or he built it for four hundred. It's now worth say six hundred. Yeah, they're both teachers, make modest salaries, but they had a lot of debt. Mm. I mean, they had about forty, fifty grand in credit card debt. Wow. So we restructured the mortgage. It saved him fifteen hundred dollars a month in cash flow. Wow. So their mortgage went up a little bit. Yeah. But the payments on all the credit cards were gone altogether. So now they're taking the, say the 1500, if they were smart, and this is what I've coached them to do, but if they're smart, they'll take that 1500 and invest it. Yeah. And you know, the power of compound interest. Absolutely. Okay. So, so that's, that's really, that's huge. So just to make sure that I'm hearing you correctly. So they took advantage of the equity, the increased value in their home. And by the way, wherever you are in the country, if you're in other parts of the world, I apologize. We're talking about the U.S. here for a minute. But if you're in other parts of the country in the U.S., you've probably seen increase in valuation of your of your home. Um, and what Ryan's saying here is, you know, even though rates have risen a little bit, they're still pretty relatively low right now, right? I mean, as we're shooting this, it's February 22nd, uh, 2022, and rates are still, you know, for the most part, pretty low. Take advantage of that increased equity, pay off some debt, get that get that non-friendly, uh, you know, non-tax-friendly debt, right, and get it over to the tax-friendly side, and then be a little bit wiser with your mindset to say, now we take this this difference, as you're saying with these teachers, that fifteen hundred bucks a month, and save it. That's, that's a great, great idea. idea. Yep. And so, you know, I think that's something that people just don't think about. They, they, why are people not paying attention to this? They're just, they're just doing what they're doing. Is their life so busy? I mean, is that the challenge you think that they're just not thinking about? Okay, let's let me rethink how I'm doing this. Well, I think the mindset out there is, is you want to pay your house down to zero. Yeah. I mean, that's what their parents have told them. I mean, that's what I mean. My grandfather lived lived through the. Uh, his, his, his father lost his home in the in the Great Depression. Yeah. So when he built his house for $15,000, he paid it off in two years. Yeah. And so when my parents bought their house, they paid it off in five or six years. Yeah. And so, you know, it's been pushed down through generations. Yeah. 
But I think it's smart to look at your overall financial picture. Yeah. If you have debts, restructuring the equity to cover that debt. Yeah. And that's how you can build wealth. Yeah. Because the average American has like no savings or very little savings. Yeah, it's a big deal. So it, it really does leading lead into the idea of efficiently building wealth. We're going to talk next time about uncovering the different types of loans. That's part two. You know, you've heard of the 7-1 arm, the 10-1 arm, the 500 to 1 arm. I'm kidding. That doesn't exist. You know, maybe your arm's bigger than my arm. I don't know. But at the end of the day, we're going to talk about different arms. We're going to talk about 30-year fix versus 15-year fix. These are all things that as Americans today, buying homes, buying properties, we're all running through and going through. And I got to tell you, there's some big pitfalls that you may be uh, intentionally, unknowingly, unfortunately, walking into if you're not prepared, if you don't have the correct type of loan as we move into some interest rate hikes, interest rate changes. And I think very reasonably, in the next couple years, we could see a significantly different landscape as far as where interest rates will be. Now is the time to get it right. You don't want to miss part two, so come back for that. We're going to talk about the difference between the different types of loans and what types probably are more advantageous to you long term to help you more efficiently restructure your debt, grow your wealth, and really live with purpose on your home side of life. Ryan, thanks so much for joining us for part one. We're excited for part two. And guys, by the way, uh, you know, this is a conversation not often had because sometimes people are hearing things out there about debt. They don't really think about good debt versus bad debt. People can financially feel like crippled, right? Because they're like, ah, I got all this struck and they don't really know what to do. They don't have a plan. So I want to challenge you to share this show with someone that needs to hear it. Uh, Share it with someone that needs to hear it socially uh, on your on your cell phone, you got three or four, five, six people. However, you're listening to this via podcast, Apple, Spotify, Google Play, whatever it may be. Share the show, YouTube, or just have them go to investwellshow.com. Is always the best. You can download the white paper that's included in the show as well. And as always, my desire is to help you live on purpose, so you can live with purpose. Be blessed. Talk to you next show. Keep in mind, the information shared on this show is not to be considered investment advisory advice. For specific recommendations based on your situation, make sure you reach out to a professional, whether it be financial, accounting, tax, attorney, or whatever you may need to help you find the information necessary to make good decisions.